Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hi guys, welcome back to the City Confessions. I'm so excited because today we have Aaron Ho. He's the founder of Sour Mouse, which is a game hall that seeks to build community for artists. And it is nestled in the Lower East Side. And if you guys don't know, the Lower East Side has such a special place in my heart because that's where I was born and raised. And I love that we share that connection. So hi, Aaron. How are you? Hi, Marianne. Uh, thank you for that intro. Um, of course. Why don't we so, begin by having you introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you are, what you do, what Sour Mouse is about, and of course, your background with New York City and specifically the Lower East Side. Uh, perfect. So Sour Mouse is a pretty sizable game hall. We're around 6,000 square feet, um, and we took over the, uh, the former Rainbow Store in the Lower East Side, which has been pretty iconic of the area for, for decades. Um, we are a game hall featuring um, local artists such as those on canvas, musicians, and comedians. We hoped that the you know venue could be a community for, for people to kind of meet one another, um, a home for the musicians and artists. Um, I chose this location because it's also you know, very close to my heart. I was born and raised just um, a few blocks from Sour Mouse uh, down on Kenmare Street. Um, and I, I went to school, you know, pre-K, uh, kindergarten, elementary school in the area um, at, at St. Patrick's, just also a few blocks away from here. Um, eventually, my parents and I, we moved into the suburbs, into Staten Island when I was, I think, 10. And um, I've always... You know, there's something about the Lower East Side that, that has always drawn me back here. Um, you know, so whether it was going to college, I, you know, I found an apartment right back in the Lower East Side. Um, and after college, I, I moved back home, but I eventually made my way back out here again, starting my first business, uh, um, an espresso bar um, called Black Hat on Rivington Street. So that was five years ago. And just now we uh, opened Sour Mouse. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to be back in the neighborhood. Um, I, the, the, the venue here is really based on building community um, for, for people in the area and for artists. Um, and this has a lot to do with what I do academically as well. Um, so outside of the entrepreneurial you know, realm, I am a full-time tenure professor at a nearby university teaching criminology and law. Um, and with that, I, I help build communities with, with the mayor, with the attorney general. I have a grant from the state 
um, that does specifically that. Um, it's called the Youth Planning Task Force, and we try to reduce, you know, juvenile delinquency by by kind of enforcing uh, and building local communities. Um, so that's a little bit about my story and a little bit about Sour Mills. That's awesome. So obviously right now it's not the ideal time to be opening a business, but I'm curious to know when was this idea brewing in your head? Like was it pre-COVID? And walk me through, I guess, your experience with just opening during a pandemic. <laughs> that's that's a very timely question. We did just open last week, but the idea has, you know, I, I, I must say it's been brewing in my mind ever since, you know, um, I, ever since I was in college, I fell in love with a certain concept. You know, I, um, specifically, I was very fond of um, Fat Cat, which is a jazz bar. Oh my God, I love Fat Cat. So much yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, and they've, I think they've been around for 18 to 20 years now. Um, so I, you know, when I was in college, we, you know, we always went there and we just loved the concept. You know, it's nothing um, too fancy. It's just a place, a place with billiards and, and pool mm-hmm. and board games. And occasionally they have live music. Um, so, you know, back to your point, you know, where did this idea originate from? I guess, you know, it, it, it kind of sl- slowly grew on me. Um, we s- signed the lease for Sour Mouse. Um, in August of last year, so we took over this, took over the lease. We applied for our liquor license, which was, you know, unanimously supported by the community board, which is a good sign. Right? They they love what I stand for, what I've done in my previous business for the community. Um, so they, you know, we had full support from the community board, um, which is, you know, um, n- not something that comes along easy because we are part of. Community Board District 3, which is the, the toughest in New York City, mm. um, mainly because the bars in the area and, and you know, how certain stigma is associated with, with bars. Um, so, oh, wait, back to the, the timeline of, mm-hmm. of building the space. So in August of last year, we signed the lease. We got approval from the Community Board. Um, and we didn't really take over the space uh, until January. So the previous tenant, which is Rainbow Clothing Store, um, was here you know, until January. We got the keys, and we started building the space since January. Um, you know, All of this was still happening before having any inkling or notion that there was going to be this pandemic that was going to stifle us so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, as, as we started building, renovating, um, you know, got renovating the place, um, we, you know, we heard a little bit of news about something that was going on uh, around the world. And, and we, we started becoming a little more apprehensive, but we already knew that we were committed, right, with our deposit down and, um, you know, that, that we had to pay up front um, after signing the lease. We knew that we were fully committed to to opening up the space. Um, we were actually prepared to open sometime um, in the early spring. So I would think like March or April, we were ready to, to open. Um, but that was right right at the peak of the pandemic. Um, so we 
just basically uh, hunkered down and we, you know, waited until a week ago. So um, a good five, what is it? It's October. So yeah, maybe like six, seven months. Um, and, and we're here now. Okay, I have a question and I don't know if you would take it. Yeah, you could be honest if you want. <laughs> but if you knew, let's just say you were psychic and you knew <laughs> there was going to be a pandemic. I mean, I feel like it's an obvious answer, but mm-hmm. would you, like, I don't want to say do you regret opening it because clearly, you know, I think as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, like it's right. your baby. And obviously it's still at its uh, core peak right now in terms of just like the opening stages. It should be definitely very exciting. Mm-hmm. Just like, would you have either postponed it or have done something completely different? I, I think that is a very good question, Marianne. I, you know, being an entrepreneur, I, I think my mindset is always, you know, it's full steam ahead. I, I know that opening up any business, there are a myriad of, you know, obstacles that are unforeseeable at the time that the concept was, you know, conceived. Um, you know, but if I really had a crystal ball, you know, I, you know, 11, 12 months, you know, back um, in 2019, I, I would have waited a little bit, but um, in terms of having that remorse or regret, I, I don't think I have any of that. I just know that it comes with the territory of opening up a business. It's, it's risky and, you know, but the reward could be, you know, um, fulfilling. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I know that you mentioned you also had the espresso bar and what was the name of it? Black Hat? Uh, black black cat uh, black cats okay so i know that i mean we spoke a little off air but it was pretty successful Mm -hmm. what were the lessons i guess you took away from that experience that you thought were extremely helpful in i guess starting saramos now or just for any business ventures in the future that you might have Mm -hmm. so you know, I, I learned many lessons from my my previous business, the Black Hat. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the business first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I yeah, I think it was in 2016 or 2015. I I purchased a, a kind of like a failed cafe in the area. Um, I, I I revamped it. Um, you know, the, 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 the you know making better coffee and just having um, better quality control and everything. Um, but then I realized that, you know what, people stop drinking coffee after, you know, three or 4 p.m. But real estate in New York is, you know, is exponential. Like it's, you know, it's through the roof. So eventually I said, well, why don't we go ahead and, and host some sort of event or gathering there? We started off with Poetry Slam. Uh, that didn't work really well. And then Paint Night, uh, where people would come and just paint and drink a glass of wine. Um, that didn't materialize very well. And I tried a myriad of, of other things like movie night, trivia night. Um, and then eventually what I found worked well was having comedy. Um, you know, by the time that I sold it, we were consistently doing 50 comedy shows every month. Um, and it was always something that was free to the community. Um, 
and you know, and and in return, you know, the community would support us. But you know, maybe um, when the communities pass a hat, they will contribute. Uh, but the concept worked really well um, with with the espresso bar during the day, and then the um, the community, you know, gatherings at night via comedy shows. Um, I th so I'm trying. <laughs> I think I got sidetracked there. Um, I no, think it's okay. So the lessons that you learned. Lessons that I learned, right? I think the lesson that I learned is that the the world we live in, and no matter what the pursuit is, you know, we depend on on each other, right? Mm. Whether it's with the vendor, whether it's um, our customers who come in and spread the word about our business. I think we, you know, it's a very intricate network that we have, and I think that there's no way anyone can do anything alone. Um, so. You know, my lesson is that, you know, take care of those who, you know, whether it's the staff, the vendors, the producers who are put on the shows, you know, you know, have this moral side and try to understand what the needs of people are. Um, and I think that's really, you know, like that right there is the lesson that brought me to our more current mission at the Sour Mouse. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a community space kind of just helping people um, you know, come together. Um, a little bit more about the space is, you know, we don't have TV screens uh, because we want people to connect with one another. Um, we want people to put their phones down, you know, engage one another, um, you know, via a board game or ping pong or, or pool. Mm -hmm. I think that mindset is so great. And I love that you really value community. I think there's if there's so much power in that and just coming from the Lower East Side as well, I feel like mm -hmm. there's definitely this vibe, <laughs> this like <laughs> tight knit community. And that's why like I'm such a New Yorker and I have so much pride and I love, love, you know, the LES for sure. But I also know that I guess your mindset has also been, it has been shaped heavily from like your upbringing. So can we, can we just touch based on that a little bit about just like your parents and mm -hmm. of course yeah okay so a little bit about my background you know my parents immigrated here from hong kong and, and china um in the I, th I think it's the late 70s or early 80s and they always tell me this you know they came into this country with 300 dollars in their pockets and, and there was nothing else um, obviously, this was before uh, my, you know, I have an older sister before she was born. They, they came and they just worked in the, you know, um, factories, in, in sweatshops, um, you know, in warehouses, trying to make ends meet. Um, and I, I think because of their struggle um, during their times, you know, when they first got here, they have cultivated a certain mindset in myself and my sister to kind of, you know, want to do more, um, you know, to, you know, to really kind of appreciate the fruits of our grind every day. Um, and I think this is why, you know, till this day, you know, I, I have this, um, I have this kind of fire and passion to build things, right? Whether it's building my academic career, um, publishing, getting my PhD, um, building a business, you know, an espresso bar, Sarah Mouse, and even doing um, foreclosures when I was in grad school, 
Um, I just always had this desire to, to build things. Which is why I feel like you're going all in with Sarah Monks, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Looking back at your entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. I guess I have two questions. Like one is like, when have you felt the most proud? And then on the flip side, like when have you felt the most challenged? I mean, I would think it's during the pandemic, but you mm-hmm. you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so good good question. I am I'm always proud of the fact that I'm I'm helping people um, kind of connect with one another. So you know the the proudest moments because um, you know Sarah Mouse is still new right now. We're, we've mm-hmm. opened a week, so. Um, there isn't too much feedback yet, but the one thing that I was most proud of um, at Black Hat at the Espresso Bar is, you know, people come up and thank me, you know, for having met, meeting someone in the space because of these gatherings that we put on. You know, people always mention about how you know everything is always so expensive. You know, any outing is you know fifty bucks, a hundred bucks. You know, if you go to a Broadway show, it's even more expensive. Even if you mm-hmm. go to the theater today with the popcorn and, you know, a simple date for two is going to be like $50, $60. Um, and I think what I am most proud of is that I'm able to offer people something to do, right? Because I said our comedy shows are free um, at the space and just giving them, offering them something to do that was exciting, but at the same time didn't like break the bank. Right. Because, you know, the real Lower East Side, you know, the real New Yorkers aren't, you know, those that are, um, you know, wealthy or or not everyone is wealthy. But, you know, I'm just saying that there's a good proportion of people who are just very middle class um, and they they can't afford to spend a hundred bucks a night just going out. And I think I'm, I'm most proud that I'm able to offer something so exciting to people. Um, at, at a very affordable cost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that. I feel like everything you do, you definitely keep in mind of the community. Um, right. And that's actually like so admirable. I feel like a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, like mm-hmm. obviously you want to make a profit. That's the whole point of also a business to be successful, but mm-hmm. that's not your main focus. And right. I think most successful businesses um, once they shift that focus and that mindset to saying like, okay, what is your core mission? What is your why for existing, right? And mm-hmm. when you really hone in on that, then the then the money and the profit comes after. Like you start with mm-hmm. passion and right. then everything else should follow, you know, if it all works out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I guess when have you felt the most challenged then? Which is, I mean, I don't know if you would even consider the opening just because it's very new right now and you don't really you know know what's gonna happen but were there challenges before that maybe it doesn't have to be related to Sarah Mouse just like in your in your lifetime so far I think the the greatest challenge is having a a work-life balance Mm. right I, I think you know most people um you know don't really and unless they have owned a business they don't see that there you know a lot of the things that we do isn't the most glamorous right you know i spend a lot of time 
you know, being the plumber, being the electrician, you know, fixing this, being the janitor, the custodian. Um, and, you know, the, a, a lot of this is just time consuming. And on top of the, you know, physically laborious, you know, things that I mentioned, there's also the, you know, how do you build the marketing? How do you, you know, connect with the community? Um, so, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, it takes a, a, a big toll in terms of taking out a, a huge chunk of time from me, from my, from my family, you know, um, you know, from all the other things that I should also spending time on. Um, so the challenge is not being able to spend as much time with, with my, my son, who's just two now. And then we have a newborn. And oh my God, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we just did um, a gender reveal uh, this past weekend and we're having a girl. Oh my God, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so I think the challenge is even, you know, even though it's not now, I, I think the ch real challenge is trying to figure out how to spend enough time in, in, in all the important aspects of my life and also maintain a successful business. Right. So how does your family feel about the business? I mean, have they always been supportive in your, you know, ideas? Um. Good question. So my my family is very supportive and I'm, I'm really grateful for that because without their support, I, I, I just wouldn't be able to take on so much. So whether it, you know, it's my, my parents or, or my wife and, you know, my, my son is, is two. So he, you know, he, he doesn't articulate very well, but he understands that Baba is at Saramel's, you know, building, um, building a business, building a community. And I think, um, you know, the fact that they understand and, and can support me, you know, mentally, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Oh, my God. I love that. I love hearing that. I didn't even know you were, you were a dad. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so I want to shift gears a little bit and basically ask you what keeps you up at night. That's the common <laughs> question that I always ask. I feel mm -hmm. like we might have touched a bit on that just because, you know, mm -hmm. we talked about your challenges, but you can either elaborate more or shift totally to <laughs> another direction. But just like right this second, like today, <laughs> while we're recording, are you stressed about anything? Is there anything that's just on your to-do list that you really can't mm -hmm. wait to check off? Just what's, what's on your mind? What keeps me up at night? Um, so that's a very interesting question because I think that's where my superpower comes in. I I sleep really well. <laughs> I I put you know my my wife always says you know I can't see how you do it but I would put my head down on my pillow and in a matter of seconds <laughs> I would knock out and and I think <laughs> the the fact that I get such a good night's sleep it rejuvenates me well in the morning. So I can go back into the grind and tackle um, really all the obstacles that we still have to face that day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, there are a lot of challenges, you know, whether it's, you know, figuring out what to do when people call in sick, what, you know, um, do, do we have enough inventory? Um, did we do a good job cleaning up? You know, uh, just the, the list goes on and on. But, um, but I, yeah, I, 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 I sleep pretty well. And I think that gives me the, the energy to kind of uh, confront all of these things during the day. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I think also sometimes when if you have such a long laundry list, as you can say, mm-hmm. and you're doing so much during the day, not only is it physically exhausting, but mentally, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's why you get such good sleep because, <laughs> you know, it's exhausting when you're expending so much energy throughout the day and mm-hmm. your body is, you know, I mean, everybody's body is just like powerful and I feel like we're so intuitive. Mm-hmm. It will just like run itself. So if you need rest, mm-hmm. your body will tell you. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's good. I like that when you get rest. You, you, a lot of people right. don't get yeah. good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I, I called it a superpower because, you know, I tell my friends and they're like, well, how do you sleep at night? I'm like, well, you know, I sleep really well. I just, mm-hmm. you know, ask my wife. She'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I feel like I get really good sleep, but... <laughs> There are occasional days when I'll have anxiety and stress and I can always tell based off sleep. Like if I wake up not, you know, getting my full seven to eight hours, then I know Mm -hmm. that something is up. So it's it's good to also just prioritize sleep. So, you know, anybody listening who's not prioritizing that should definitely do so. I feel like that it's like it's life changing. You know, like once you get good rest, you're just so much more prepared to conquer the day ahead so yeah okay so this podcast is called the city confession Mm -hmm. and the reason why is because as you know yourself being from new Mm -hmm. york there are so many people that live here i'm so i'm sure you've met so many people and i've always been curious to just tap into people's mindsets and hear Mm -hmm. their stories hear their vulnerabilities and just you know unpack all of their they're like i don't know interesting facts so mm-hmm. if you were to confess something <laughs> <laughs> what would that be and i want to preface this by saying that there's no right or wrong there is no good or bad it's just whatever you're comfortable sharing and it can right. be something silly or more in depth mm-hmm. again whatever you want it to be so Aaron, if you can share a confession with the listeners and I, what would that be? Uh, a confession. I I should have thought about this a little bit, but um, you know, I think well, fine. my my biggest business confession um, is that I think I am quite positive all the time, and you know, even taking on the building of a business when it's it's so emotionally draining, physically draining, you know, but I always uh, exude this confidence and um, and this exuberance around me. And so all my friends and family think, well, I don't know, wow, you you know, it, it must be so great because you're, you're so positive. It doesn't seem like there's anything to it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, back to that point uh, earlier, there's there's so much physical work, you know, all that, that grind that exists, you know, there are nights you know, when I was building this for the past, you know, what is it, 10 months, you know, there are times when I would sleep here. I, I got renovated my, my, you know, the space uh, because, you know, we don't have a wealth of resources. I, I, you know, I bought wood from Pennsylvania and we put it on our walls. We, I built the tables and, you know, all the chairs and tables and benches in the space um, were actually built with my hands. Um, oh, obviously. Wow. Yeah, um, 
obviously if we have a wealth of resources, we can hire carpenters and, you know, but then, the, you know, th that budget would just be through the roof and, you know, um, and it's just wouldn't be viable mm -hmm. to do that. So I, I think my confession is that I, you know, I, I kind of mislead people by, you know, showing them how positive I am and, and that everything is, is just um, gravy when there's a lot of work that goes into building anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, do you hear my sirens? I, I do, I do. This is New York for you. Every single time, <laughs> never fails. <laughs> but um, now I'm like losing my train of thought. Um, oh, I was going to say, I, I think that's such a common misconception people have with entrepreneurs and just people in general who, I guess, have a proven track of success that it either comes easily or that everything is just, you know, just happening as it's supposed to be. But I think having a positive mindset has its benefits as well, right? I mean... If you didn't, I'm sure, you know, like you would question so much of yourself and the business and the process, and it would just be much more difficult to kind of maneuver through that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm super positive as well, but it's definitely <laughs> something you have to work on. It's not, you don't just, it doesn't come naturally. And I have to like remind myself sometimes to like stay positive. Right. So, yeah. Um, I'm curious to know also, like, what is the best compliment you've ever received? Uh, the best compliment? Um, you know, we've, I've received various compliments, and I think the best compliment would be the fact um, <laughs> that, you know, people appreciate, you know, what we have created. You know, I, I talked about it in, in depth earlier. Um, people appreciate that we're giving people a space so that we, you know, they could meet their neighbors. Um, one of the, you know, you know, so you know, kind of like the academic side, right? One of the the issues with with being a New Yorker is that people are a lot of times not very well connected with another, you know, on a on a kind of like a closer intimate level. And which is kind of weird. There are 11 million people living in New York City, and um, consistently the research shows that people feel, you know, like they're not part of a community. That that you know, there's um, that you know, they're just not, you know, being cared about, um, cared and thought of by by others. So I think my greatest compliment is that our business model truly reflects that we care about community, that we care about bringing people together. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, when you said that, it was, it like resonated with me so much because everything you just said, I think is such a big catalyst and reason and drive for why I even created this platform without mm -hmm. knowing so. Like I knew I wanted to share stories. I knew I wanted to talk to other New Yorkers, but I think come to think of it, I really wanted to just like connect and also build a community I guess in the making you know from right. doing it for like over a year and a half now mm -hmm. and it's been such a beautiful journey that I didn't even you know again I didn't really put much thought into it I thought about doing it I just did it and just like recently I've had this 
just like moment where I was like, oh my God, I am so like obviously proud of it, but just like love connecting people and just getting people mm-hmm. on. And that's why I think it's great because I didn't know you, you know, and it's crazy right. how we grew up in the same neighborhood. And I'm sure yeah. there was a time when you and I crossed paths, you know, it's right. It's just like crazy to think about that. And that's the whole beauty of New York. It's so, so big. And although I know that it can be overwhelming. And like you said, there's so many people in the world, yet you can still feel lonely, you know? But there are people, luckily, (laughs) like you and I, who are trying to really show other New Yorkers and New York residents and people with relationship with New York that Mm -hmm. there is something special that unites us. And the city is just... I don't know. I have so much love for New York and I'm happy that you share the same mindset. Well, I think you should be very proud of what you're doing, Marianne. I think you are building a community. You're, 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 you're helping out businesses and I, you know, I cannot be more grateful for that, for you to have this conversation with me here today. Oh my God, thank you. That like is a perfect transition to me taking a moment right now to appreciate you coming on and I know that this time is tough and I know you probably have so much other things that you could be doing but the fact that you uh you know pencil me in at 10 a.m on a Monday it's a rainy Mm -hmm. morning uh to talk with me and the listeners I'm so appreciative of that and I like you really just want to help people so the listeners I, I know there's a lot of people who are just like not in new york but it would just be amazing if you guys can support sour mouse and what they do because i truly believe in their mission and i will leave all of the information in the show notes um but i guess yeah i mean before we actually wrap it up i just have two more questions Okay. Um, <laughs> let's, let's do it. When have you felt the most alive slash fulfilled? Um, that's a very it, it's it's a very deep question, right? I know. We gotta we gotta go see. Like if you are writing a book, if you are writing a book and you know, you are a professor and Mm -hmm. somebody was studying, reading it and actually taking notes and, you know, doing basically a book report on your life. Right. And, you know, you talk about character development, the arch, all of that. And then there was a takeaway like, okay, but this was the highlight. What would that be? What is the highlight of your life so far? Mm. Um, So, I mean, the my my number one highlight would be the fact that I have a loving wife, my, my family, um, and just having them giving me that constant support to take on, you know, various entrepreneurial uh, projects. Um, I, you know, yeah, they, I, <laughs> I mean, there's so much to be grateful for. And I think the most fulfilling thing is to be able to help one another and to able to be able to do things that, you know, to be able to appreciate the things that we're doing um, at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you know, whether it's plumb, like I, I talk about plumbing, the, the bathroom, you know, that happens so often, but you know, <laughs> e- e- even when it's, you know, you know, sweeping up, mopping up, you know, cleaning, cleaning up a clog in the bathroom, I think we need to be able to own it and appreciate it. And I think that's what fulfillment is about. It's just mm-hmm. being able to appreciate everything that we're doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Practicing gratitude is, it goes mm-hmm. such a long way. So with all that being said, though, how would you define success and how would you define happiness? <laughs> um, so happiness, right, is it's almost impossible to quantify, right? Like, you know, this is funny because when I'm in school and I teach research methods to my grad students, you know, happiness is such a, an intangible construct. Um, and it's a, it's a man-made construct. We, we don't really know how to quantify or qualify it. But I think, you know, in, in my own words, happiness is just being able uh, to, to spend time with family, being able to have a connection with friends, with, my, with our customers. Um, I, I, I think that's how I... That's kind of like my, my, you know, my North Star, my compass. I think if I have a great relationship with people, it means I'm doing something right. Um, and that, to me, brings me happiness. And what about success? Hmm. Um, so, you know, as you already know, I, I never qualified uh, success w- with a you know, monetarily, right? I, mm-hmm. I care a lot about what I'm doing for the community. Um, and, and to me, that's important. You know, when people are happy and they really are able to connect with one another, that matters to me, you know, more than anything else, right? You know, I spent 10 years getting my PhD in, in criminology. And, and after I got out and graduated with my PhD, all I wanted to do was build community. And all of this is pro bono. It's just, you know, whether I get grants from the city, from the state, um, everything I did was really for the well-being of people. Um, so I think to me, um, success is really being able to put a smile on people's faces um, because of something that, that I did. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you're just such a good person. <laughs> and every single answer that you've mentioned always stems back to, again, your your desire to again help others put other people first making a difference it definitely shows and i can feel that through again the conversation and i know i haven't met you yet but i'm just like so appreciative of your energy (laughs) thank you for that well i look forward to meeting you yes it will happen don't worry i always tell people to like when you come on like Mm-hmm. I've been having to shift my recordings virtually because I'm definitely a people mm-hmm. person. And actually one of my rules that I set for myself when I started this was that I had to record in person because I mm-hmm. really, really just, again, believe in that person to person interaction. But obviously with COVID, mm-hmm. I had to switch it to virtually. But I always tell people, it's like, once you come on, I don't want it to be like a you know one-off quote-unquote project like I do Mm want to continue the relationship so yeah don't yeah we'll we'll meet for sure but right now as we're closing out why don't you just plug in on the information 
about Sarmos, anything that you're working on that you can reveal. Um, yeah, that's your chance to kind of just yeah. Talk in. yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> right now we have you know live music Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So on the weekends, um, quite an amazing, uh, quite amazing performances. You know, all of our customers, friends, family, they all really like the concept. We have our bi-weekly art shows as well, and we feature really, um, really special local street artists in the area from the Lower East Side. Um, <laughs> so these are some of the people that you know you might have seen just you know, um, you know their their work, their mural up on the streets. Um, yeah, I, I think our space is quite amazing. Um, we have ping pong, uh, the pool. We also have pool tables, but we're not allowed to open those yet because of COVID. And we have foosball, we have board games. Um, yeah, so come come on down to Sarah Mouse and, and see what the, the hype is all about. Yes, and what's the address just for everybody? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, 110 Delancey Street. So we are right at the, the kind of the intersection of XX and, and Delancey, right in the Lower East Side. Um, you can also follow us on, on Instagram uh, at Sour Mouse NYC uh, or on Facebook. Perfect. And of course, all of this will be listed on the show notes. So be sure to kind of click that. And yes, I will leave all of Aaron's information, all of Sour Mouse information. And again, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I hope the listeners <laughs> enjoy this episode and stay safe stay warm because this episode is airing i think in november (laughs) so um it's getting chilly but anyways yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this episode stay tuned for the next one as always and hope you guys have a great day and week all right bye bye thank you